This is weird shit that my mom says. I'm Cece Alice. I'm Jules Creighton. What episode is it? It's episode 10. Episode 10. We're in the double digits. In the double digits. D- digits. Good try. <laughs> I got Good try. I got a little bit weird while I was waiting on you. You got a little bit weird? You mean a little bit yeah. drunk? Uh maybe. Yeah. I think I think I was weird already though, but so Jules does have this tendency to be late to things and today is no like we had a date an hour ago to start recording and we spent most of it on the phone but the first time while I was waiting for her to call me I was getting bored and I I do have a drink to be fair and I'm not like it's my first drink it's big but I was early on and I was bored and so I was just like sitting here singing Billy Joel in an Elmo voice to myself. that's what I was doing while I was waiting for you and I was recording it because I wanted to know what it sounded like and then I was like playing it back to myself so so that's how my day's going okay well I like that I that's awesome actually I'm I'm excited to hear that later because you're going to share it oh I deleted it already (laughs) okay well I might have made a surprise for you at the beginning. You did? Yeah, when we got disconnected. I feel like like I should make you a surprise because you do the editing. Like I should do some surprises for you every once in a while. Oh, and you're going to like send them to me to get edited? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just fun stuff. Editing surprises? Surprise, motherfucker. Put them like at the beginning or the end though because I don't want to have to cut it out in the middle. Oh, no, I won't put it in the middle. It's at the beginning. Okay. 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 So how was your week? Was there things that you wanted to tell me that you wouldn't tell me on the phone? Uh, I did actually. I had a pretty shitty week, honestly. So why? I I went to the dentist a while ago, and I don't usually get, like, cavities regularly, but um, one, one from when I was little or a couple of them from when I was little are like cracking. And so I had to go back in and get those taken care of. And I was thinking it was like no big deal. Like I've only had like tiny cavities before, I guess, or something. And I just don't remember. But your whole face is rotten. So no, like like three cavities. So that were like old. They were from like 1991 or something. So I had to go one day. And I didn't know when I made the appointments, like the lady at the counter was just like, oh, we can do one the one day and one the other because you can't have your face all numb at the same time because they're two different sides. And I was like, OK, well, whatever. I- yeah, because I've never had cavity that was that bad. And so the first day they did the one side and it took like two hours because they had to drill out my old cavity and then put this medicine in it and then like refill it. And my jaw, and I didn't have, like, one of those things in, like, they didn't prop it open for me. I was holding it open the whole time, and it was so painful. And then I thought that I was, like, okay, cool. It was just, like, my jaw or whatever. And then 
I had to go back though at 8.30 the next morning and get the other side done. And they did have to prop it open because I like literally could barely open my mouth. Like I, I tried to eat eggs before like after or like after the first one before I went to the second appointment and I couldn't even like I was like trying to get the food in my mouth that I could barely open my mouth wide enough. And my coworkers laughing at me a little bit because I couldn't open my mouth all the way in meetings. And then the next morning I had to get the other side done and my jaw is actually like in a lot of pain right now. And they warned me because they were like, oh, you shouldn't have scheduled these like one after the other. And I was like, tell your fucking receptionist that for the future. I hope I never have cavities on opposite sides of my mouth in the future that take two hours a piece to fill. So it was it was a situation my mouth kind of hurts a lot, but is this is this your excuse for drinking? Yeah, no, I just did that because I thought it would be fun. Oh, okay. I'm. I have a bottle of wine next to me, and it's your fault. Yeah, and I was are, like, you, oh. are you really drinking straight out of the bottle? Yeah, we went to like we went to a gala like I don't know back in February, and we stole this bottle. Like we we got into the event, you know what I mean? But like there was this bottle and. And the doc took it for me, and I just haven't drank it until now. And it's really not that good, but it's really strong. Hopefully, I'm you a wino. You are. A wino. So, I had a mom win this week, and I just wanted to tell you about it. Oh, what what happened? So the girls came out, and I I was in the pool, and they came out, and it was like getting you know like almost dark time. And then apparently, like, I was so much fun to hang out with. Like, we were playing we were playing volleyball and hitting each other with the ball. And then we, I made up this game instead of Marco Polo. I was like, let's call it boing. Uh, and then you just, like, hide the... <laughs> you hide the volleyball under the water. And instead of saying polo, you just, like, let it rip. Oh, and then you they have to. It? Yeah, you have to boing it. And then they figure out where you are. Anyway, so the next night, oh, no, 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 when I was in the pool that night, like, we kept, like, hitting the ball out of out of the pool, and the girls were, like, taking turns, and I'm like, guys, it was my fault. I can go get the ball. And they're like, no, 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 you, you, don't, you don't need to go get the ball. And eventually I was like, why can't I go get the ball? I literally knocked it out, like, a billion times. And they're like, because we're afraid that if you get out of the pool, you won't come back. Oh, they were liking me. I got to hang out with them. It was a parenting win. I was like, you guys want me to stay and hang out? And they were like, yeah. And then the next night, they asked me to do it again. I know. Uh, Melt my heart. My kid not all, doesn't always. I mean, she she does want to hang out with me, but she's just not like nice to me the whole time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you'll have that. Oh, my God. I just looked at the time, and it says that we've been chatty Kathy for like, seven minutes over seven minutes so guess what we're going to yeah. talk about today yeah what's what's the, what's the deal what are you talking about i mean don't really guess because you don't fucking know um we're going to talk about a murder 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 that happened in the 18 uh. murder that happened in the 1800s and it was in massachusetts in cambridge massachusetts at harvard a Harvard murder? A Harvard. Wait, would they they wouldn't say it with an R, right? They'd be like, it's a Harvard murder. Yeah, I guess. Like it's a Harvard murder. Harvard. Do I have to say it faster? Harvard murder. 
You did it. I think I, I I listened to a Boston accent not very long ago. I'm sure that if anybody's listening to us from Boston, they're going to be like, uh, no. They're like, please shut up. Please shut up. Okay. Anyway, so it's about these two dudes. They knew each other and somebody dies. Ha. Okay. So here we go. The two main dudes were both in a position of power and esteem. We had Dr. John Webster and Dr. George Parkman. We have another Webster? We had Kate Webster Yeah, did you know that, like, we're related to Webster's? We are. Are we? I wonder. Is this our murder on a blood? No, our blood. If if it is our blood, we're the murder-e this time. Well, the murder was that way and our blood and the other one, too. It was just from both sides. <laughs> right. Just lots of things. I don't really know. I really hope we don't get murdered someday. I try not to on a regular basis. But, you know. Okay. So let's start with George Parkman because he's actually the victim in this. And so... I would like to say some good things about him because he seemed like a pretty stand-up dude. Okay. Okay. So George Parkman was born on February 19th of 1790 in the 17th. Fuck. Old as fuck. Well, people were just being Harvard people back then. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on Harvard because there's some interesting shit with that place. Um, so he was born, like I said, 1790, and he was born to a very affluent family in Boston. So his dad was Samuel Parkman. Um, he actually lived from 1751 to 1824. His mom's name was Sarah, just like every other woman in the 1800s and 1700s. Um, Sarah Rogers, and they had five children together. Um, Elizabeth, Francis, George was a solid middle child. I'm doing a middle child. I'm a middle child. You are. So it's I not always a younger do them, child anymore. Yeah, I always do them about the youngest child, and it's like I'm not trying to do a slight towards you, but I guess I kind of am. Like there's something fucking wrong with the youngest children. Anyway, so George is in the middle, and then he's got Samuel and Daniel on the other sides, and then Samuel Parkman apparently had, he apparently was like married before to another woman named Sarah Shaw, uh, another Sarah, because everybody's fucking name was Sarah. Facts. Anyway, so... When he was with that chick, he had, like, other six kids. I'm not going to tell you other names because I don't fucking know. Anyway, um, George's father was, like, the family patriarch. And he he was a rich dude. Like, he bought up a bunch of the low-lying lands and income properties in Boston's West End. Um, he also founded and was a part owner of the towns of Parkman, Ohio, and Parkman, Maine. So he literally was just, like, naming towns after their family. Like, did he go there and discover the towns? I don't... Like, how do you have time for all this? No. I'm just saying. 
I don't know. There's only so many hours in a day, and I can't get jack shit done. So I don't know how these people do these things. They must be like, like non-sleepers. Actually, I bet you his dad was a non-sleeper because people kind of said that that's what George was like. So he was he was like one of those kind of people that was just like a go-getter. And so much so that out of this like billion kids that they had, um, George actually was named like the executor of the estate and will for his family. Like that says something about you when you have 11 yeah. children in a family. Does say something about you like you're the golden child. He was the golden child. So he did have like he had poor health when he was a youngster. Oh no. What kind of poor health did they tell you? I don't know. Well, I guess he got over it. It was of the health variety. That was poor. It was poor. Okay, sickly boy. So because of this, it led him to study medicine, which the funny part is that he ends up studying psychiatry. Um, so it kind of made me giggle because I'm like, were you just fucking crazy <laughs> when you were a kid Maybe and that was your was. poor health? I don't know. He probably had diarrhea a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess that's just I assume everything's diarrhea back then. Yeah. What was your illness? Diarrhea. Okay. It kind of is now, honestly. Okay. So he was like so cool that he actually entered the freshman class at Harvard University when he was 15 years old. What? What? And that yeah. wasn't normal at the time. I don't know things about old timey Harvard. Like the normal age was still like 18 to go into it, right? 18, 19? I don't know. By all accounts. By all accounts, I don't know these things. Okay. And I don't know what this means either, but apparently he delivered the salutary oration in 1809. I don't know what the fuck that even means. Salutations. Like a Salutations. So when he was at Harvard, he met another person there named John White Webster. Wait, Those was this guy's name Webster? Character. Oh, I'm so bad at getting their names mixed up for some reason. Oh, so this isn't the other guy involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wait. This is the guy that died, George Parkman. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Our potential ancestor is Webster, who is the murderer. I thought so. I was like, uh, I feel like it's another one. It's it's fine. We're it's like, <laughs> we got murder in our blood. Murder, what murder, else? Murder. Yeah. I'm going to okay. go search the family tree and see if I can find this. Thing. I know, right? I, yeah. I kind of want to know. Um, so he spent two years at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland, in Scotland, um, obtaining his medical degree. Like I said, he went into psychiatry. Um, he was like super into the French psychiatrists and like Europeans, but particularly French. Um, he just really loved how they were doing things. So if you think about like all the all the horrible things that you hear about asylums in the United States, like they yeah. were always treating people hor horribly, right? It seems like everybody was electrocuting everybody. People were just like taking out parts of people's brains. Like everybody was an asshole. Yeah, and they're all haunted now. Yeah, a bunch of puckered assholes. And he wasn't into that. 
like these French people were like, why don't we why don't we treat people with dignity and treat them like it's a home environment? Like no shit. Who would have thought? Treat people like people? That blasphemy. Anyway, so once he was done there, he did some things, people inspired him, yada yada yada. Okay, Parkman returned to the US in 1813. The War of 1812 had called for the service of young men, and Parkman received a commission as a surgeon in the regiment of the 3rd Brigade, belonging to the 1st Division of the Massachusetts Militia. So that was probably intense. I mean, a surgeon in old-timey wars, like you're holding people down, and you're like, here, have some whiskey, bite this twig i'm gonna cut your arm off like i bet you it was intense i bet it was yeah just think about old-timey surgery and like how much fucked up stuff like led to the surgery of today i think about that often for whatever reason a battlefield surgery back then would have been just absolutely awful yeah we're gonna get into some of that stuff about like things that people did to you know, to learn science and the anatomy and medicine. So um, he began in South Boston and simultaneously served as a physician to the poor when he was done with all that, you know, 18, War of 1812 stuff. So Just he's a stand-up guy. He is. So like I said, like he really believed that psychiatric institutions should be like a residence. Like a setting where patients could like enjoy their hobbies and socializing and like participate in household chores as permitted. Awesome. It is. Like there was one part that I didn't include in this because, well, you know, I just throw shit together. But it said something about like that he wanted to basically be behind this awesome asylum that was going to open up. There was some sort of falling out. And I I don't remember if like if they were like, oh, you're going to give us all the money for the place. And he was like, yeah, no, I didn't say that or whatever. I don't know. Something happened and he didn't end up being able to open this hospital or it didn't get opened or maybe it did. And he got cut out of of the deal or something and they took his money. I don't really remember because I'm not. So there's at, some kind of fucked up asylum deal in the middle of all. This. There's a fuck upness that happens. With an asylum, and it makes him sad. Oh, okay. Like depressed, sad, yeah. or just like kind of sad. Just like not like not like oh depression, because he actually like people said he was a really cool guy. Like he was really nice. Um, yeah. So in 1824, when his dad kicked it, um, like I said, he was in charge of of the uh, family estate, and at this time. Like there were vast amounts of of real estate and all sorts of things, like not just in Boston, but all over. But he decided to stay like in the Boston area. And he just also started to buy up other lands and real estates. And he had like a whole bunch of tenements, um, a lot of times for the poor people. And he also would like lend money to people. And he sold land for the new Harvard Medical School. And the Charles Street Jail. So, like, the sad part is that the Harvard Medical School 
is where he got murdered. Seriously. So he did that nice thing and didn't even work out. I know. All right, let's hear about how he got murdered, I guess. All right, well, here's the thing. Um, At some point in time, he must have gotten married. I feel really bad because apparently nobody gave a flying fuck about who his wife was. Like, she's mentioned in a lot of these stories, but she's just mentioned by the name of wife. Wife. And, like, are there children? Or do you not know? Yeah. He had two children, but he... He literally, like, his poor wife was just, like, ignored. Nobody, I I couldn't find, like, who she was. She was Mrs. Parkman. She must have just followed the rules and been a a good wife for the time. And that meant that nobody mentions you, unfortunately. Well, I care about you, Mrs. Parkman. You matter to me. Parkman, I hope you were awesome. I bet. I bet she was. So anyway, they owned like a lot of Boston and his net worth was somewhere between like 10 and 11 million um, in today's money. Plus nine. Oh, OK. I was going to say yeah, 10 or 11 million in old timey money. That's a no, lot. in today's money. But like I said, okay. plus nine percent. Still... Yeah. 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 OK. So here's the thing about him. He was thrifty. Like he's like, I'm going to pop some tags. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He he really didn't like indulge in other things like other people. Um, he walked like everywhere he went. There was a nickname for him in town. They called him the pedestrian. For a rich man that's just walking around all by yeah. himself. Yeah. He didn't want to have like the overhead cost of having a horse. And he also like he wanted to keep his cost down. So he didn't employ a lot of people. He just like he was like, I can do it myself. So he would just like walk around to these tenements and collect his rents on his own. Um, but people knew him all around town. Like everybody knew who he was. Like I said, he had that the pedestrian. And he had a very distinctive look. And I guess his walk, you know, like his gait was very specific. I'm pretty sure it had to do with his chin. I'm not really sure. But when I looked at pictures of him, I feel like it had something to do with his chin, if you know what I mean. He, so there, there's just, he's got a chin and it made his walk a certain way. I, I don't know. I don't really know what that meant. Remind me I of just his heard first it. and last name again. Yeah. I'd be Googling. Be Googling. Google that What's shit. his first his name, name again? George Parkman? George Parkman. Google along, listeners. Oh. Oh, my. Do you feel like it had to do with his chin? Well, they show him walking. Yeah. And so they show him walking, and he's got this, like, sharp, pointy chin. And his hands are just tucked behind his back, and his chest is just, like, puffed out. This is a cartoon, of course. But... (laughs) And his feet in this cartoon picture are very small. I don't know if you can see this. That's the one I saw. Yes, I saw that. And I was like, I guess he was very gaunt. Like he was very thin. And so I feel like that probably made his chin very prominent. A very lovely man. Very nice. 
Very nice. Really nice, but that's that's a chin. All right, but there's like another sketch here where he's pretty normal looking, so I don't know. Oh, he has say. like a lot of hair. Let's judge him on his insides. Let's judge him on his insides and his hair. Oh, no, I just saw some kind of seam here. I'm going to close this little guy up. Stop looking ahead. Bitch, stop it. I would I mean, slap that out of your hand like a McDouble. Fun fact, Jules once struck a McDouble from my hands. I was Are you sure? It. No, I'm pretty sure you did that to me. No, you struck it from my hands. I remember. Believe me, I like hamburgers. No, I think you did it to me and you said you were saving me. Nope, it was the other way around. I promise you. I don't trust any of your promises. Who has keto brain? I also have a disease that gets rid of my memories, but I swear to God that when it happened, nobody knows for certain. Okay, you're probably, you're more reliable. Okay, so I apparently slapped a McDouble out of your hand. Like you were guarding a basketball hoop. You were like, wha pow. Well, you told me to. You could have at least let me eat the fucking pickle. Anyway, okay. somebody to let's... walk around and slap things out of my hands. Okay, so <sighs> let's get back to the story. He was gaunt and, yeah. All right, so now let's get into the part about uh, Dr. John Webster. Like I said, his name was Dr. John White Webster. I believe his mom's name was White. Um, he was born in May of 1793. He was very pleasant, but people also said that he was very nervous and excitable. Okay, I get that. I can I feel know about, that, actually. about you, but... I don't really want my doctor, especially a surgeon, to be nervous or excitable. No, that's not a good that's not a good thing to do. As somebody who is a nervous person, I know I would not want to be cutting people. I would be like, oh dear, should I? Shouldn't I? That doesn't look right. Oh fuck. Yeah. Okay. So I like there was one thing that said that that Dr. Webster, we're going to call him John. There was one thing that said that John and George like knew each other from boyhood. But maybe they were just saying that because of the fact that George had started college when he was 15. Oh, so they knew each other maybe at Harvard when John was a boy. Yes. Or George was a boy and John wasn't a boy. Yeah. He graduated from Harvard College in 1811. Um, in 1814, he was among the founders of the, Lin- I don't know what the fuck this is, Linnaean Lin- Society of New England. Okay. I don't know what that means. Okay. I don't know what that means either. And was appointed cabinet keeper. Cabinet keeper of the society's quickly growing collection of specimens in Joy's building in Boston. Oh. They had body parts. Body parts in jars. Body parts in jars. What kind of body parts were in the jars? Dicks or dick chunks in jars. Brains, (laughs) fingers, toes, dicks in there i know it in my heart you got it i know it in you my did heart. it you did it okay he graduated from harvard medical college in 1815 yeah. and 
that one thing say that like the other dude like put money towards Harvard Medical College? Yeah. Like maybe they got like a new building or something. Okay, maybe that's what it was. Oh no, no, no. He didn't put money towards it. He sold them land. So either way, they were probably whatever expanding. that was. Oh yeah, yeah. That was probably it. Okay, so around 1815, he went to London for for further study at Guy's Hospital. Guys, hey guy. Hey, I know a guy. The guy has a hospital. Yeah. All right. He was a surgeon's pupil. I hate the word pupil. Okay, I don't like a the word physician's pupil, pupil, and a surgeon's dresser. What does pupil remind you of? Uh, an eyeball. Oh, it also reminds me of pupa. Like, I just thought it was another eyeball like version a, for you. It's like the gross part of a of a caterpillar's life. I know. There's mm. the pupas happen outside mm. my door sometimes. Ew. Okay, so after that, um, from like 1817 to 1818, he went to. I think it's called Sao Miguel Island um, in the Azores. I probably said all that wrong. Sorry, dudes. All right. There he practiced medicine. He published his first book and he met the daughter of Thomas Hinkling, the American vice consul to the island. So she was a hottie. She was a hottie I don't really know what the fuck she looked like. Harriet Frederica Hickling, but she was obviously, you know, well-to-do. Um, and he married her on May 16th of 1818. And then they banged out four daughters. Right. All girls, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So he was shooting some, uh, you know, he couldn't make the boys. I, I know people like that. He probably broke a ball. Maybe. Yeah, that could be. You know. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I don't know when those kids were born. I don't give a fuck because he was an asswipe. So they returned to Boston at some point in time here. And he entered a private medical practice, um, but he sucked at it. Oh, so he was like, like was he, he killing complete... people like accidentally or? Nah. I don't know. I don't know what he did, but he just sucked and nobody wanted to do business with him apparently because um, he changed careers. But for some reason, he was elected a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences in 1823. So instead of cutting people up and being a doctor... He decided in nineteen or nineteen, haha, eighteen twenty-four. Um, he was appointed a lecturer of chemistry, mineralogy, and geology at Harvard Medical College. Why the fuck do they have? Why are they talking about like minerals and rocks? I love rocks, but why were they talking about that at the medical college? Maybe there's like minerals in the rocks that can be used medicinally. I don't know anything about science, as I've mentioned on this podcast multiple times now. I I don't fucking know. Maybe, maybe it has to do with those kidney stones. Kidney stones, it is. 
I'm going to go with that. That's fine. That's what it is. That's what it is. Literal he's stones the in the stone kidney. Specialist. Of mineral. He's like, do you have stones in your body? Yes. I'll fix them. I won't fix them. I'll just talk to you about them. All right. So um, three years later, he was promoted to the Irving professorship. So he was a professor and, um, you know, the, the stuff that he did in his labs and stuff was really good. Um, there were a lot of discoveries that were made in his laboratory that led to like the latest scientific discoveries of the time. I don't know what the fuck those discoveries were, but the murder that he did later actually led to some good sciencey stuff. Interesting. So there's that. So the other guy's a martyr. That was essentially. But I think that there's some people that like, I think now there's people that are like good research doctors, but they're not good like patient doctors. And maybe that was just what he was. Like he didn't have good bedside manner because he's nervous. He shouldn't be cutting into people like that. Yeah. He could reboot researching and be nervous. I guess it wouldn't hurt anything. He just might be nervous that his stuff doesn't work. And then he's going to double check it, which is good research in the end. I think it's probably because that's not where his passions lied. Lied? Lay? What are you supposed to say there? It doesn't really matter. His passions his lay. Real no, passion. that sounds real wrong. So I'm going to go with lied. Where his passions lied? That doesn't sound right either. I don't fucking know. <clears throat> that wasn't his okay. passion. That's how put, I would word that. Because I don't know how to do it the other way. Put down the booze, Cece. Put down the booze. Okay. So... He actually really would, like, get into it. I guess he was known for, like, giving these very, like, layman's terms lectures. Like, he really spoke to the kids. In particular, he got really excited about pyrotechnics because he fucking loved fireworks. Get down with that. So, yeah. So, the kids, the the students, the young adults, not kids, okay, the young adults that were in his classes, they started to refer to him as Skyrocket Jack. Yeah. I would really love it if he wasn't such an asshole. I'm going to take this brief moment to do a science experiment because I was trying to find pain relievers to get myself ready because I drank some tannins, right, in my wine. Um, And I always get a headache. So right now I have a cup of Fresca, and I also have Alka-Seltzer, and I didn't have water, so I'm going to put the Alka-Seltzer in the Fresca. Do you think it's going to explode? It might, so keep it away from your laptop. Okay, am I going to be Skyrocket Jack? Might be Skyrocket Jack. I hope don't die, okay, because I don't want to watch that on the camera. Okay, ready, ready, ready. Here it goes. Plop! (gasps) seems anticlimactic to me but do you hear is that it? how you say it you say anticlimactic or is it anticlimactic that sounds gross i don't know whatever it is you're saying it doesn't sound right it's anticlimactic okay. anticlimactic there is no there's no climax there's no gross okay Nothing's happening. It's just fizzing. I'm so disappointed. I am not so Skyrocket. Just call me Skyrocket Jill. Skyrocket Jill. You're kind of failed, though. Okay, don't. Be I did. All right. So 
the guy had some problems, right? Like, he did inherit money. Yeah. Like, he totally inherited money. Um, He came from a well-to-do family. And, like, pretty much everybody that went to Harvard, it just, like, it breeds success, right? Yeah. So there's kind of a, a flow that goes with Harvard. Like, like, the rich people go there, and then they get rich-paying jobs. But for the most part... Um, they have family money also. Yeah. So they live high on the hog, right? The Harvard folks live high on the hog. They think that they're God's greatest gift. Um, however, he spent most of his family money, like, real fast. Oh. He blew through it. He had, he would indulge in things like, like books and statues and sheet music. I thought you were going to say like prostitutes or something. No, sheet music. Sheet music. Like, like, how much fucking sheet music can you buy and blow your whole inheritance? Fancy artwork is expensive. That's okay. Defense. Well. And I don't know if that's defending him. I mean, like, defense. obviously, don't buy the artwork if you can't afford it. Well, he bought all of these things to go in his mansion mm-hmm. that he built in Cambridge. So... I mean, he probably shouldn't have done that. Like, he just he just lived beyond his means. And so at a certain point, it got to the fact that that he couldn't he couldn't sustain this, you know, it's a facade. You know, he's trying to act like he's still a rich person, but really he's just living on this professor's salary, which is not that much. Yeah. So it became an issue. Um, he ended up having to give up the home that he built and he still lived in a very decent home, um, but it just wasn't enough. So he started turning to friends to borrow money. Oh, and his friend George is okay with lending money. Yeah. Yeah. So George and then, you know, George and him were friends from back at Harvard and the missuses were friends, so like Mrs. George Parkman, and also the wife of Doctor Webster. Those guys were fun, were friends. Um, and that just kind of gives you a background as to what's going on there. Um, I did say that we were gonna kind of touch a little bit, like on Harvard. Um, just a couple of little facts about it here. Yeah. It was established in 1636. Yeah. So that it's the oldest American university. I did not know that. I think I maybe have heard that before. It's just, it's so interesting because the way people lived back then, it just goes to show like old money is old money. Like, holy shit. It, it is. is. Yeah, it's it's totally Gilmore Girls, and when I think of Harvard, I think of Rory. That's all I think of. Yeah. And now what I'm going to think of is I'm going to share, a, like, a nice fun fact, and then I'm going to share a not-so-nice fun fact. Okay. So, fun fact, there's, like, a statue there, um, and apparently it's good luck to go past and rub the feet of the statue, and so... A lot of times, like, the freshmen, I guess, will go and pee on the feet so that people have to touch their urine bacterias. Oh, if you go there, don't. 
Don't touch the feet. So don't, don't touching do it. This is not good luck. Ew. Or bring okay, some sanitizer so with other... Yeah, right? Um, so as they were getting this medical college up and going, they need to, you know, test their skills. They need to learn anatomy. And what do they need to do that on? The deads. The dead people. The cadavers. Ugh. It's not my jam. Now, yeah. So, yeah, the doc is into that kind of stuff. That's what no. he's going to be doing. Yeah. Body farms and such. Yeah. So they were having a hard time finding these cadavers. Um, and there was some shady stuff that had happened. Like there was a specific cadaver that ended up at Harvard and was worked on there. Um, and it was a, a girl who came from... Not like she just she wasn't like a pauper or anything like that, right? She came from a from a decent family, and apparently the girl had like gone and gotten an abortion, and it didn't go well, and she died. And then yeah. somebody took her body without permission to Harvard, and they used it. Yep. Yeah, but like, here's the thing: is there were people that were like making money on the side. And so it hit the newspapers and and people started to label them as body snatchers. They were like, yeah, yeah those Harvard folk. You they're can't body take bodies snatchers. Right. You can't take bodies without consent. But there were people that were they needed them so badly that there were people that were making money on the side. It was like a side hustle to find bodies. Well, yeah, if you like worked at a funeral home or something. Yeah. Just snatching the body um, and selling it to Harvard. Ugh. Yeah. And it wasn't just Harvard. Like, there were other places, too. There were actually, like, some murders about that. Maybe we'll cover that someday. Um, I'm trying to, a little bit later, we're going to come back to this theme. And there's, like, a different name that they call. There, there was, like, a more distinguished name that the people that did this um, preferred to be called. And I can't find it in my notes, but it's they get somewhere a down the line. fancy name because so. they're selling bodies to Harvard. Is that is that what this comes down to? Yeah, yeah. No offense to any rich people listening to this, but sometimes I have a problem with rich people <laughs> for making like a special name because they're Harvard body snatchers. What the fuck is that about? I mean, like, maybe they had the special name for other colleges as well. But anyway, they, they were like, no, 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 we're, we're, a, we're a legit fake business where we're yeah. supplying bodies. Either way, it was a whole thing. It was a, it was a scandal, if you will. Okay, so in 1842, John borrowed from George. He borrowed money from him. Because things weren't, you know, he couldn't keep up with his sheet music addiction. Yeah. And uh, so he borrowed $400, which in today's money would be $10,000 plus 9%. And by the time that, you know, five years later, when 1847 rolled around, very little of it had been paid off. Yeah. Like, it, it was, it was getting to a point... Payments. 
yeah, and, and George, you know, he's got money, but he's a businessman. You know, like, don't fuck with him. Don't fuck with him. Yeah. So what happened was that Parkin was like, okay, okay, I'm going to give you some collateral. So he had this cabinet that was that was full of rare minerals. And now, hey, remember that thing earlier that I told you about that group where they had, remember you said it was like a bunch of jars of dicks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, what if this was part of it? Minerals were part. Yeah, like what if these rare minerals like really weren't his? Anyway, he used them for collateral and he said they were his and they were worth $2,000, which in today's money is $66,000 plus 9%. And on top of it, he was like, hey, yo, George, look at this cabinet. And also, can I borrow more money? Seriously. Seriously. So at this point, he's at a point where he's where he's like in debt in today's money of about like sixty six thousand with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a considerable chunk of money to borrow from a friend, even if you're of high society. So a year later in in eighteen forty eight, this dickhead decided he was going to borrow against that same mineral collateral from another guy named Robert Shaw. Where did he, like, think he was going to get the money to pay these people back? He didn't. Like, he had no way of paying them back. I don't know why they thought that it was a good investment, other than that he must have been a smooth-talking son of a bitch. I don't know. I don't know. So... Anyway, George found out. George found out that he used the exact same collateral on this other loan from the other guy, and he was fucking pissed. Yeah. I don't know why he wouldn't like have that in his possession. I, if that was collateral, and it was put up, I I would be like, hey, can I just like hold on to some of those rocks? Well, I think that he probably just trusted his friend. When it comes down to it, I mean, well, he, he wouldn't have. have. He wouldn't have loaned him more money if he hadn't thought there was some reason, you know? I know. I'm I'm thinking he was just being too nice. Um, so at this point, you know, like, we're years. Like, that's six years beyond when he originally borrowed the money. Um, and by the time that 1849 rolled around, now we're, now we're into November of 1849. Um just before Thanksgiving. Okay. So George went to Cambridge, where where Harvard is, and he went to look for John. He wanted to talk to him about what the fuck was going on with this. You know, he had heard about yeah. that collateral thing, um, and he was pissed. Like, he was trying to come up with a way to get his money. So he went and he saw Harvard's cashier, which, just, which was this guy named Mr. Petty, I think it is. It's P-E-T-T-E. E-E. Petit. Petit. Whatever. So he's he trying really to garnish, no bearing whatsoever. He's going there trying to garnish. Yeah, he's trying. Yeah, that's that's a very good way of putting it. So he is like he's trying to garnish his wages, basically. So he demands money from the sale of Dr. Webster's lectures because I guess like people were coming in and listening. I don't know if it was just students. I don't really know how they paid yeah. their fucking tuition back then. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. He was like garnishing his wages, basically. 
And I'm pretty sure that the Harvard cashier was like, yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't do that. I don't know. I didn't see any. I'm really a good researcher, but I didn't see anything in there that that said that he was getting that. So the that very kind of same day. Set up. There wasn't laws around doing that kind of thing back then, probably. I don't know. Like back in that time period, it's interesting. Um, actually, like if like a spouse left, you had to pay him alimony. Yeah, that is true. So but maybe. Maybe. I just, there's so many payroll laws. I just wonder to myself sometimes. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Um. So, so John, um, John Webster, he went over to George Parkman's house, and he was like, "Hey, man, let's let's meet at the medical college at one thirty, okay?" Yeah. And George is like, "Okay, all right." In the meantime. George must have, like, gone about his business, you know, collecting things. He went over to a grocery store, apparently, at one point in time and bought a head of lettuce, but was like, hey, dude, can you hold on to my lettuce? Yeah. And the you grocery was like, he's walking absolutely, around. George. Yeah, he was like, you're the pedestrian. See you later. Yeah. Um. So George Parkman was last seen entering... Um, near the campus uh, at 1.45 p.m. Dun, dun, dun. So that day, George never came back for his head of lettuce. The grocer was very concerned. He was like, dude, George bought a head of lettuce for me, and I put it in a paper bag, and it was waiting here for him for when he was done doing his thing so that he could bring it home, and he never came back. So that just goes to show George's character. Like, they're like, he wouldn't even leave a, a head of lettuce. Like, this is not normal. No, because he's very, he's very, very structured. He has his his stuff that he does every day. He is very thrifty with his money. So if he buys a fucking head of lettuce, he's going to eat every single bit. Do you think he even ate that grody part at the end? Yeah. Ew. Oh, he's going to eat. You, anyway, you know that he's going to eat all the lot of lettuce. The white part and the chunk at the bottom, the chunk. like the stem. Gross. <laughs> Gross. George, I hope you didn't eat the chunk of lettuce. Do you think they had salad dressing? Um, Probably like oil and vinegar and lemon juice. Oh. I don't know if they would have had a lemon in Massachusetts or not at that point. They wouldn't have had a fucking lemon that comes all the way from Florida. That's absurd. That's I don't absurd. Know. Okay. Either way, he would meet his wife religiously every day at 2 p.m. for lunch. Okay. Which is sweet. Yeah, they had like a standing date, right? He never showed up. He didn't show oh, up no. for the date. Um I'm a little anxious about his timeline there. Like, why did he think that he could go? Like, he must have been meeting his wife, like, very close to this area. That's what confused me because I'm like, if they saw him last at 145, how the fuck was he going to make it in 15 minutes? Like, talk to the, to the dude and go to meet his wife at 2. Maybe he was late sometimes to meet his wife. I think that you're getting, I mean, you're really thinking about his wife waiting, huh? 
I'm lost in the weeds. I'm concerned. Okay. So he never showed up at home that night either. And he never showed up the next morning. Because as we know, George died. He is dead. Well, he is dead. But they don't know that yet. So John Webster, after he got done meeting with George, um, he left, you know, because it's Thanksgiving time. They're getting ready for Thanksgiving break. Like people are going about their business. They're like, woo, let's have a party. And yeah. we're going to talk about Thanksgiving and turkeys and have a dinner with our friends. Really like that song you wrote about Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm going to sing it next year, okay? Okay. All right. So he actually did, like, he went home, and then he was like, hey, wife, let's get ready to go to a party. And they did. They went to a Thanksgiving party at his friend's house, and everything was good. They had a normal night. Everybody was like, that was a dancing and party. And he wasn't acting weird at all. Because he was excited that he didn't have to make loan payments anymore. Mm-hmm. He was celebrating. Okay. Perhaps. All right. So November 24th, Parkman, uh, the Parkmans had contacted police because at this point they're like, dude, George doesn't do this. So everybody was like, you're right. The pedestrian, he does not disappear. Like something's fucking wrong. He doesn't even have a horse. How the fuck is he supposed to get away? So they're going and they're checking, right? They're like, going to all of the stations where people ride trains and I couldn't remember the name of a train station. Well, by so trains, that. is that what you said? Yeah. Where they're by the train trains. Tickets? Yeah, that. Yeah, okay. 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 So nobody had, well, people thought they might have seen him. So something happened. There was a doppelganger of the pedestrian. Another sharp-chinned gentleman with tiny feet. Another sharp-chinned gentleman that happened to walk a little weird. He was in Boston that day. And everybody was like, he was looking all George-ish. And he was straight up like fooling everybody. Way to go, doppelganger like, like, I guy. swear I saw George. Way to go. <sighs> but no, it, yeah, it was just the ganger. It's just him. Um, or his ghost yeah, walking wasn't. on the street. <gasps> what if it was? Just saying. Go to Ben. Oh, fuck, man. Just George's energy. All right, well, yeah. By the 24th um, of November, so now we're talking, what, like a couple days later, um, a $3,000 reward was being offered by the family, which $3,000, like I said, if 2000 was worth like 66, 67,000, okay. that means that 3000 was like probably more than that. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it was more money now. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It was more money. So everybody wanted a piece of that. They were like, fuck yeah, I want to find that. Um, which made the ganger even more popular of people telling the stories. So anyway, the family went out and made like 28,000 copies of missing person posters and put them fucking everywhere. Printer presses, not on computers. That's a lot. Oh. So, of course, people started talking about what happened to him, right? 
So some people were like, oh, maybe he ran away from his family. And everyone's like, do you know George? And then, of course, the Irish immigrants did this to him. Uh, come on. Because, you know, the Irish are the worst. Um, they're not really. We're part of Irish. Okay. So... And then the other theory was, like, maybe somebody, like, knocked him down. They were, like, boom, knocked him down, stole his rent money, and was, like, give me your loot, and then beat him up. So, like, a elementary school bully. So. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give me your lunch money. You're I like, just, like, when you moon, said knocked Alice. him over, yeah. I just imagined, like, like, a man walking up to him and just, like, pushing him with his two hands, and then he just, like falls over and he's like give me your money but it's like a you know like give me your lunch money i'm so sorry that's what i <laughs> where i went with that so oh, poor george yeah so they were looking bully. for him <sighs> i know so they were looking for him like in the river like they were dragging the river oh because i guess this town has like it's kind of weird like the river and we're going to talk about it a little bit later has like tides like, you know, the river raises and lowers throughout certain parts of the day, which plays into this later. But they're, like, dragging the rivers looking for this dude because he's a rich-ass dude, you know? They want to know what happened. Yeah. And they're searching all the forests around and no George. Not at all. So, at this point, I'm going to introduce a new character. Eh? His name is Ephraim. Ephraim Littlefield. Ephraim, Ephraim okay. is a Harvard janitor. Not only is he a janitor, but he is a resurrectionist on the side. A body snatcher. That's the fancy word. Resurrectionist. resurrectionist. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's trying to make yourself sound like less of a piece of shit. It's like when you're writing your resume and you're like, fuck, man, like this vegetable chopper, like doesn't have the right ring. What should I call myself? The deck. And so this isn't like a Goodwill hunting janitor. This is like a different kind of janitor mm. at Harvard. I don't know. Like, how was he getting them? Um you know, was he purchasing the corpses from somewhere? Did he dig them up himself? Hmm. I don't know. Ugh. So gross. Things, okay. things to know, things to know about Harvard Medical College at this time is that there's bodies. Like, there's bodies all over the place, right? Yeah. People are working on the cadavers. Things are happening to cadavers because... They got these body snatchers bringing people in. They got, you know, anatomical donations coming in. People are slicing and dicing, you know. They got to do something with them when they're done doing their medical experiments. There is, like, a body vault they, like, throw them down into when they're done. So just oh, keep that just in mind. Oh, it's just an easy kind of way to dispose of a body there. Yeah. But they do have, like... You know, they have their procedures, they have normal things, but they are going to find a lot of bodies. Yeah. If they're going to a place to look for a body. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, at this point, 
Dr. Dr. Webster, you know, Johnny boy, he's done having his Thanksgiving turkey. Or no, no, no. This is right before Thanksgiving. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. So still just before Thanksgiving, everyone's getting ready to leave the campus. But they're, you know, people are just getting ready and whatever. And he's at the lab. And while he's coming in, he runs into Ephraim. And he's like, Ephraim, buddy, did you see George? He's like, uh, I saw him at about 1.30-ish coming into the college. And then Dr. Webster gets a little more forceful. He, like, slams down his little staff of righteousness. And he's like, Ephraim, my dude, did you say yes around 1.30 coming into the college? You didn't see him inside, did you? And he's like, uh, I, I don't, I don't know, did I? And he's like, well, it's a good thing you didn't see it, you know, kind of thing. And he's also like, hey, P.S. So like, I paid that guy off, like all the money I owed him. So there's that, right? He just mentions to Ephraim that he paid George off. Yeah, yeah. The resurrectionist janitor. He's like, is, why does yeah, Ephraim so. know that? he owes George money in the first place. Like. Exactly. That's a weird, like, by the way, just so you know. (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah. Like, why would he even bring that up? He would have to bring up the fact that he owes him money and then also that he paid him. Anyway, so, uh, he's also like, hey, Ephraim, he's like, so you didn't go into this, the dissecting vault, right? And he, at this point, Ephraim's like, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so basically, John is like, okay, so here, here's like a turkey coupon or however you do that back then. He gifts him this turkey, right? Uh-huh. It's like a bribe. He's like paying feels off like a bribe with a turkey. Yeah. He's like. Please accept this gift of turkey and just shut the fuck up. Okay, yeah. I know, right? So, of course, Ephraim went immediately to get his turkey at the turkey place that 1800s people pick up turkeys from. He was like, yes, I got free turkey. Oh, it worked. He was like, I'll take that turkey. Do you think that turkeys were, like, hard to come by? Was that, like, a rich person's bird? Well... Maybe Ephraim dad didn't have enough money to get a turkey normally for his family. Do you think they had to eat pigeons? I didn't think about that, but maybe. What if they had to eat pigeons from a slingshot? From a slingshot? Yeah, like they couldn't afford the ammo and they had to shoot it with a slingshot. Ephraim gets done like body snatching and then he's like, I'm going to go slingshot some pigeons. I guess. Oh, I don't know Ephraim. Ephraim's life, but. <sighs> well, Ephraim's life, he lived like very close to the college, like very, very close in an apartment with his wife. Uh-huh. And it sounds like he and his wife were actually like thick as thieves. So that's cute. But he went home like immediately and like spilled the tea. He's like, wife, guess what? So he comes and he's like, 
I fucking heard George Parkman and Dr. Webster arguing in his lab that day, the day he went missing. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure he was like, babe, we are so going to be rich. We're going to go get the reward money. And I totally have a Scooby gang plan. After we eat this free turkey I got. After we eat the free turkey. Okay. Fuck pigeons. Fuck pigeons. Fuck pigeons. That's right. Okay. So and let's eat a turkey and go turn them in. Yeah. So... Like, November 28th, so we're fast-forwarding a little bit. Um, at some point in time, like, there's there's investigators going around. Like, they're starting to ask questions, right? They're looking around. They're the looking at the college. still hasn't spoken up? Mm, no, just wait. So they are, they're looking around. Like, they're asking questions. Ephraim is one of the people that they're starting to ask questions to, I'm sure, because some people were like, yeah, I saw the pedestrian. He was totally going into the into the medical college, but nobody saw him leave. You know, so they start looking around. They're not really getting anywhere. They are doing like full searches. Like they're looking all over and they're like, oh, God, there's another body. Oh, there's one. There's one. Oh, fuck. There's just you know. too many bodies to. <sighs> yeah, but they're not finding like the one. The one they're looking for, right? So anyway, by this point, um, Ephraim's kind of like coming back and he decides that he's going to do like super sleuth on his own. Okay. He's going to make some shit happen because by this time, he's starting to be like under the the microscope as well. Like people are looking at him too. But I just don't understand why he hasn't told the cops yet. Like, is he taking well, his he turkey will. money seriously? No, because he thinks that he can crack the case. So he just thinks he's going to detective this all by himself before he can get the reward money? <sighs> yeah, but he does. Just wait. Ephraim, actually, he had a lot of talents that just went unrecognized. Like, I think he could have been somebody. Okay, let's hear. I mean, I'm just still he concerned could've. about his character because of body snatching. Okay. Well, in in the meantime, like, he's totally gossiping with other professors that are there, too. And he's like, dude, I totally heard them. I heard them fighting. Like, something's fucking going on. And the other professor's like, oh, that's shady as shit. Yeah, yeah, you you should. You should go check it out. You have the means to do it, right? You could like like clean the clean the lab, do the things. Like you could you could do this. You could crack the code. And he's like he's like, "Okay, okay." So he goes up to the lab and he like gets down on the floor and he starts looking under the door to the lab. Cuz first he's like, "Jiggle jiggle, it's locked." Yeah. And so he's like, "Fuck, it's locked." And um he he's kind of freaking out. A little bit. I'm assuming he's kind of like gently knocking on the door like, hey, Dr. Webster, are you in there? And like, dude isn't answering him. Like he won't unlock it. Like time is passing. So he starts looking under this door and he can only see as far as up to the doctor's kneecaps. Uh huh. But he says, and then later on, Dr. Webster said that he actually saw him looking under the door. So, like, I don't know the fuck that is, but he's, like, looking under the door, right? 
And he says that he sees him walking back and forth like eight times between the furnace and the fuel closet. Okay. Okay. So he keeps coming back from time to time to kind of check, like, what the fuck's going on? Because he's getting anxious about this, right? And he comes back later, and the door is still locked. But Webster is gone. But he puts his hand, like, on the wall, and he can feel that there is, like, a blazing heat on the other side of the wall. So he's kind of like, fuck, is the room, like, on fire? Like, what the fuck is going on in there? So, I mean, like, he was going to break in anyway, but I think he tried to use it as an excuse. Yeah. But he broke in through a window. Okay. So he, like, goes around, breaks in through a window. Once he's in there, he finds, like, empty kindling barrels and wet spots on the floor. I think at this time, we should probably take a break on this cliffhanger and come back in our next episode. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. Are you on the edge of your seat? I am at the edge of my seat. Really, I'm at the back of it, but I'm also at the edge at the same time. Are you grabbing your legs with jazz hands going, ah? No, I grabbed my chair. Okay. But. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sorry, dude. So at this point, I think we are going to have to taper off gently into this into this wild night. In that case, it's been fun hanging out with everybody, and we'll see you next time. We'll see goodbye. you next time. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go. We can't oh, say wait, goodbye. Oh, wait, wait. You have to say a bunch I of stuff. I have to do social media. Okay, okay. So, okay. first of all, if you liked our episode and you missed our last one, we cannot advertise with Facebook or the Grams because we have a swear word in our title. <laughs> so, we very much appreciate if you would tell your friends, if you like listening to us, ask them to listen to us too, spread the word. That's how we're going to be able to grow, I guess. So that if you like us enough that you want to help support us and help pay for some of our um, subscriptions and equipment and things like that, we would love your support on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash weird shit. My mom says podcast. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram, feel free to follow us at weird shit. My mom says podcast. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Weird Shit My Mom Says Podcast without the I and shit because Facebook is a prude. And if you'd like to follow us on mm. Twitter, you can find us at Weird Shit MMS Pod. Weird Shit MMS Pod on Twitter. All right, guys. Goodbye. Fuck yeah. Goodbye. Skyrocket Chill signing off. Goodbye. <laughs>